care. You may be seated. Would you give us a tarot? If you have a Bible, I'll encourage you to join me in Deuteronomy chapter number one. It's the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter number one. I know that many of you were out last Sunday uh, soaking in the beautiful weather. How many of you were laying out on your deck? Just be honest with me. No. <laughs> Sitting with your uh, windows open, enjoying the, uh, the, the cross breeze of that Negative 30 wind chill. Yeah, that was crazy last Sunday. Uh, from some of you, thank you so much. Many of you uh, came and joined us here. Uh, some of you online, and, and I appreciate that so much. And if you did, you know that we, uh, we started into the book of Deuteronomy last week. It's a series of three speeches given by a man named Moses before God's people enter into the promised land. And, and this is a theme that we're going to come back to is preparation because Moses was, was, had a plan of preparation for the people. And his, his plan was, let's start with reflection on decisions that have been made in the past so that we can make sure that we make the right decisions in the future. And last week we ended, we just got through a couple verses of Deuteronomy 1. We ended in verse number 6 as Moses was saying, Yahweh has come to us at Mount Sinai and said, it's, you've been here long enough, it's time to, to go on. Now, before we get started, I want to tell you this. I have, a, I have an outline that I feel like the Lord just keeps like changing on me. So I, I don't know if my slides are all going to match up and I don't know if we're just going to stop doing what I just, I want the spirit to move forward. Um, today. The, the title of the message this morning is Hyperlinks and Easter Eggs. Now, I know that's going to sound very confusing, so let me explain what, what we mean by that, this. Hyperlinks are things that you probably see all the time, whether you know it or not. It's, it's when you come across a, a text, and what, sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's an image, and when you click it, something else opens up behind or in front of what you were just looking at. And so in the text that we get through today, there's going to be times where Moses is going to bring up something that is meant to hyperlink the thoughts of Israel to something that has taken place in the past or possibly something to take place in the future. So we're going to be looking in Deuteronomy 1 for hyperlinks, but we're also going to be looking for Easter eggs. Now, I know Easter eggs to most of us are just these little colored eggs that we, we, uh, we dye and put in a basket around Easter time. But there's also another type of Easter egg. And, and it's typically uh, when, when you hide something significant in plain sight. It's called an Easter egg. You see them all the time. Creatives are great at this. You'll sometimes see them in logos. For, exa for example, Amazon. Like most of us think that's probably a smile underneath, but it's actually an arrow pointing from A to Z because Amazon wants to give you everything you need from A to Z. It's just a, an Easter egg. Maybe you knew it, maybe you didn't. Baskin Robbins logo. We think it's a B&R, but it's actually got a 31 in there for the 31 flavors of Baskin Robbins. And there's all kinds of cool things on logos. If you see it, they're, just, they're called Easter eggs. They're just hidden in plain sight. They're also in movies. Uh, circled here on the bottom left is a, is a part of a hieroglyphic in an in Indiana Jones movie. Well, if you know who, Indy, who created Indiana Jones, George Lucas is also the creator of Star Wars. And so in this Indiana Jones movie, there is a drawing of R2-D2 and C-3PO just hidden in the corner of an Indiana Jones movie reflecting Star Wars. 
Pixar does it too. Pixar, you have in the movie Aladdin, you see the, you see the little crab from The Little Mermaid. And in Monsters, Inc., you see a little picture of Nemo. Different, different movies. If you don't know all about Pixar, you wouldn't be able to pick up on these things. And they're not being hidden, but they have to have connections. And so that's what we're going to try to do as we, we begin to walk through Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to look for hyperlinks. Like, where does that lead us to somewhere else in the, in the scripture, in the text? And we're going to look for Easter eggs. Like, why is that there? Let's not miss what's right in front of us. And I'm going to tell you up front, this is going to seem more like a Bible study. We're going to, go, we're going to be in our Bibles a lot today. So if you came to church hoping you weren't going to get the Word of God, sorry. You're going to be very disappointed today. We're going to be our Bibles a lot. In the, in the Torah, in the first five books, we're going to be in Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So be ready to flip with me, but we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter number one. Now, again, remember, Moses is reflecting. He's reflecting over the past 40 years, and he's going to pick just certain things to highlight as we read he started in verse 6. It's where we ended last week. Moses said, Yahweh said, it's time to go. And we're going to pick it up in verse 8 today. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse number 8. This is Yahweh speaking. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. At that time, now this is Moses now speaking, at that time I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. Now this is going to be a theme today in care of the fact that you prayed if any of us feel like we're carrying a burden today. Like it just resonated with me because that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Moses said, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. Verse 10, Yahweh, your God, has increased your number so that today you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. May Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? So we just read five verses. Let's pause right there. I've got to point out a couple, verse, a couple phrases that are important for us to keep track of because these are Easter eggs. They're, they're going to be there, and then they're going to pop up again. So we've got to see them the first time. In Deuteronomy 1.8, there's two of them. I have given you this land. The, the, the fact that Yahweh has given the land, keep that in mind, and what he says to do with it, go in and take possession. Go and take possession. Keep those words, those are important. Then in verse number nine, in verse number nine, Moses is going to say something that he kind of repeats again in verse number 12. He's going to say in verse number nine, like I've had to carry you alone. And then in verse number 12, he's going to repeat it a little bit. And he said, how can I bear your problems, burdens, disputes all by myself? Keep, keep all this in mind. These are going to be Easter eggs that pop up again later. We don't want to miss them hidden in plain sight. But there's also a hyperlink here. I'm going to work my way backwards just a little bit. In verse number 11, Moses says, may Yahweh bless you. In verse number 10, he says to the people, you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. And then in verse 8, he said, you're going to go to take a land. You're going to take possession of a land that Yahweh has promised to give your fathers. And in this moment, what Moses is doing is he's hyperlinking back to Genesis. And you don't need to turn there, but I'm showing you. He's hyperlinking back to Genesis when Yahweh makes some promises to a man named Abraham. 
In Genesis 12, Yahweh says to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation and I will bless you. In Genesis 15, Yahweh says to Abraham, look up at the sky, count the stars. One day, that's going to be your offspring. And then he says, just a few verses later, I've brought you out of the land to take you, to give you a land to take possession. You seeing that? I just want to make sure that we're clear on this. These are three promises Yahweh gives. And Moses in Deuteronomy 1, he talks about, oops, Moses in Deuteronomy 1, he talks about these, these promises. He says, the Lord's going to bless you. He's blessed you. He's blessed you. And you're as numerous as the stars in the sky. Why is he telling him this? Because there's three promises that he mentions. Two of them have already come to pass. And he's saying, he's already said he's going to bless you, and he did. He's already said he's going to multiply you, and he has. He's told you you're going to get the land, and you will. He's given them confidence to step into what he's called them to do. Now, i got to pause here. There's some people who have built an end times theology about the fact that Israel has not yet gotten the land that God promised them. So they're, build, they're building a theology that says, in the end of the world, Israel is going to be given back to the Jews because it hasn't happened yet. But I want to just show you in the book of Joshua what Joshua says. He says, so Yahweh gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors, and they took possession of it. And then in verse 45, he says, not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So we as, we as believers have to understand what the word says. Those three promises Moses just talked about, all of them have been fulfilled. So, so that's cool. So let's, let's go back now to, to Deuteronomy chapter number one. Remember, we left off in verse 12 where Moses had said, I can't bear you alone. And he's going to say, so this is what we decided to do. Look at verse 13. Choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. You answered me, what you propose to do is good. In Hebrew, that word good is tov. That is going to be essential to pay attention to as we go through the story today. But right here behind me, these verses... There's another hyperlink. Remember, we were just in Genesis. This is a hyperlink to Exodus. It's a, it's a hyperlink to a time when Moses had led the people out of Israel. They, they've, they've walked, I'm sorry, out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. And, and Moses' father-in-law, whose name is Jethro, he comes and he, he spends some time with them. And he sees Moses, his son-in-law, standing there just answering question after question. The people are lined up all day to talk to Moses. And this is, what, this is what Jethro says in Exodus 18. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. Okay, so we just saw the word good, right? Because there was this idea, and the people said, Oh, that's a good idea. Well, it came from Jethro, and Jethro's the one who said, Well, Moses, what you're doing is not Good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Well, that's what Moses has already been saying. I can't do this alone. And Jethro says, you can't do this alone. I have an idea. And he gives this idea that find other leaders and, and, and disperse the authority amongst them so that you're not carrying it by yourself. 
And what we read in Deuteronomy is that when Moses comes with this idea to the people, they say, that's a good idea. Now, again, I have to pause. We're going to pause this Deuteronomy thing. I've read and studied the Bible a lot. And I have never come across anyone who said what Moses did when listening to Jethro. I've never heard anything, but that was a really good idea. This man can't handle it alone. He needs help. Except one rabbi that I have loved to study specifically over the past year, he actually broaches this subject and said, I kind of I think we just assume that this was a good idea. And he said, I think, this is what this rabbi said, I think the way that Moses sets up by telling this story of the authority being given out followed by the next story to come, which is authority that has been given that doesn't turn out very well. I think Moses places these together, and we shouldn't be so quick to think that this idea of Jethro's was just a really good idea. We'll come back to that in a few moments. But if you're familiar with what happens next in in Israel's history, is they're going to send out 12 spies. So let's go back to Deuteronomy. I know you're there. Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to skip a few verses about the, uh, about the authority being given out. And we're going to pick it up in verse number 20. In verse number 20. This is Moses speaking again. He said, you have reached, and I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which Yahweh our God is giving us. Now we've seen that before. The Lord's given us this land. See, verse 21, he says, See, Yahweh your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it. Man, we've we've heard all this before, right? As Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, tells you, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. So he's, he's telling them what they've already heard. He's given you this land. Go take it. Don't be afraid. And he tells them why they don't need to be afraid. I mean, he says, don't be afraid, but... That's not what the people do. Let's keep reading in verse 22. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns that we will come to. The idea seemed good to me. So I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. So Moses had just come and said, hey, the Lord's giving you this land. Let's go in and take it. And their response is, hey, how about we go and see? Not go and take, but go and see. And Moses' response to them is, that's a, that's a good idea. Why would he say that? He knows what Yahweh has already said. Go and take the possession. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. So now we're going we're gonna to jump to the book of Numbers. And we're going to pick this up, and I would ask if you would join me in Numbers 13, because we're going to be in Numbers 13 for a little bit. We're going to go back and forth a little bit from Numbers 13 to Deuteronomy chapter number 1. But this is that, this is that hyperlink about the spies. Am I, am I confusing anybody right now? Is there anybody that's just like, I'm so lost, Pastor? Okay, I just want to make sure. All right. So Numbers 13, verse 1, says this. Notice how it starts off. Yahweh said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at 
Yahweh's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Did you, did you catch the little bit of conflict that we have here in Numbers 13 from Deuteronomy 1? In Numbers 13, it says it was Yahweh's idea. Yahweh says, go take these people out. But Deuteronomy 1, Moses says, you, the people, you came to me and said, can we send out some spies? So like, is the Bible at conflict here? And I would love to explain all that, but I'm just going to keep it short and tell you what most scholars would, would very easily explain this to say. The people had asked for spies, and what we read in Numbers 13 is Yahweh saying, this is how to choose them. This is what the people asked for, okay? So this is the way to do it. And he instructs Moses on how to choose the spies. And which leads to this question, like, didn't Yahweh know that these spies were going to turn the hearts of the people? Well, sure he did. He's, he's a sovereign, omniscient, all-knowing God. Well, then why did he tell Moses to go ahead and go along with the idea of the people? And here's where we have to step back and say, What's happening here? What took place at Sinai? It was a covenant relationship where Yahweh said, I want to be your God. I want to be your groom. I want you to be my people. I want you to be my bride. We're going to enter into a loving relationship. And loving relationships don't have someone that says, this is how you have to do it. Yahweh, this loving groom, this loving God, his people say, this is what we want. And we find that he says, okay, well then this is how to do it. And that's such a challenge for me because like, here's this question. And like, what does that mean when I go to prayer and say to God, this is what I want? That opens up this question of if I go to God in prayer and say, give me this, and he gives it to me, but it's not what is best, am I not going to look up and say, you gave, you knew how it was going to end up, and you gave it to me anyways, you're at fault for this. Or if I go to God in prayer and say, give me this, and he doesn't give me what I want, well, what do I do? You don't love me, you didn't give me what I want. What are we supposed to, what's God supposed to do? How do we pray then? Well, this is where Jesus comes and he helps us so much, right? He comes and he gives us this, this model prayer when he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this is so important because Yahweh loves his bride and he wants to hear her heart, right? But he wants his bride to ultimately say, I trust you to know what is best for me. And what you want is what I want most. Like, like you got to understand, in a, in a marriage relationship, if my wife is upset with me, you know the last thing I want is for her to not talk to me about it. I want to know her feelings. I care about her as an individual. I love her. I don't want her upset. I want to be able to step into that. Hey, Yahweh, God is not afraid of our feelings. 
It's okay to tell him how you feel. Just don't demand he act on your feelings. This is, this is what I want, but ultimately I trust you. And so we, we have these spies that the people want. Yahweh says, well, this is how to send them. So they get sent and then they return and we're not going to read it, but it's in Numbers 13. They're, they're sent back with this report. And here's the report. They say this land, it flows with milk and honey. And we'll talk about what that means in a little bit. It, milk and honey. And there's, there's walls of these cities and there's, there's giants there. Giants in the land. As soon as they say that, there's one spy. If you look at Numbers chapter 13, skip down to verse number 30. There's one spy who says this. His name is Caleb. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up, go and take possession. That's what we've been reading. Let's go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. Right? Also, maybe, maybe the sending the spies was a good idea because Caleb comes back and says, yep, it's time to go and take possession, just like what Moses said, just like what Yahweh said. But then the other spies start talking in verse number 31. But the men who had gone up with him, with Caleb, said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. It was a good idea to send them, I thought. Now they're coming back with a, a bad report about the land they'd explored. And in verse 33, it says, we saw the Nephilim. That's a word to, that we're going to come back to at some point. Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, came from the, come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. So the people, these other spies, they're like, it was, it was a pretty land. But like, man, there's people there. We're never going to be able to defeat them. Okay, so we're done with the hyperlink and we're going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter number one and we're going to take everything we know and go back to Moses' speech to the people in Deuteronomy chapter number one and let's look at verse number 24. Don't lose numbers 13 because we're probably going to, or we're going to come back to numbers in just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 24, Moses is still rehearsing and he's telling what happened with the spies, what we just read it says they left and went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. And taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported. Here's their report. It is a good land that Yahweh our God is giving us. Wait a second. That does not seem like the report of those ten spies. They gave a bad report and they said, we're not going to be able to possess this land. And so... Like, where is this report coming from? And obviously, he's, he's telling Caleb's report. And Caleb had said, Yahweh gave us this land. Let's go in and take possession of it. We, we don't have to be afraid. But the people didn't listen to Caleb. And they didn't listen to Moses. And they didn't listen to Yahweh. Because look at what we read in verse 26. But you were unwilling to go up, Moses says. You rebelled against the command of Yahweh your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, Yahweh hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. 
Wow. This is after hearing this bad report from the spies and saying there's giants in the land. We'll never do it. The people go back to their tents and they declare Yahweh hates us. Wait, wait, you mean the Yahweh that rescued you from your slavery in Egypt? And, and did the Passover in the land of Egypt and all of your people were spared by just putting some blood on the doorpost? And the Yahweh that opened the, the Red Sea for you to pass through? And the, the Yahweh that is, has sent you manna and, and water to drink and, and took you to, to, to Mount Sinai and said, I want to love on you. I want to make a covenant of love with you. And, and then he's leading you to a land that you don't do anything for, a land that flows with milk and honey, and he's going to dwell with you in that land. That, that Yahweh, you're saying, hates you? It seems so, so foolish that someone who has received so much at the hand of Yahweh can accuse him of hating them rather than loving them. But can we just like look at our own hearts for a moment? Haven't we all at some point, whether with our mouths or in our hearts, mouthed the question, don't you love me? How could you do this to me? How could you let this happen to me? You hate me. You don't love me. Haven't we, haven't we all, in spite of all that God's given to us, haven't we all questioned his love at some point? Every married person in here, every parent in here, you know what it feels like to have your motives questioned by the people that you love the most. Like, I, I would do anything for you, anything for you, and you sit there and you accuse me of not loving you? And that's what the people were doing to Yahweh. In fact, look what else they say in verse number 28. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt. Keep that word in mind. We're going to get to it next week. Melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. But then Moses said, I've already told you this. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. He's already said that, but now he tells them why. Verse number 30, Yahweh, your God, who is going before you, that's, that's going to be important next week, will fight for you, that's going to be important next week, as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes, and in the wilderness. He's saying you, you don't have to fear these people. Yahweh, your God, goes before you. He'll fight for you. But then let's keep reading in verse 31. There you saw how Yahweh your God carried you. As a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. And as I was studying this, I came to a screeching halt right there. Well, wait, wait a second. M Moses who did you just declare as the one who carried Israel? Yahweh. Yahweh has carried you this whole time. Wait, 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 wait a second, Moses. You've already said twice that I've had to carry you all by myself. 
I mean, that's why we had to divide the leadership, right? You're, you can't do this alone. And so this good idea to divide the leadership. Hmm. So I'm going to take you back to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to look at one more hyperlink. Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 11. The people are tired of the manna. They come and they're complaining to Moses. He's so tired of their complaining that he goes to Yahweh and Moses says this in Numbers chapter 11. Oh man, do I have it? There we go. Verse number 11, or chapter 11, verse 11. says, he asked Yahweh. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive? Boy, that's, that's father talk. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? That, that's father talk. Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Moses is asking God, why, why am I the father to all these people? Why do I have to carry them in my arms? But wait, wait. Moses in Deuteronomy, we just read, you said that Yahweh carried you along as a father carries his child. Let's, let's read the next verse, verse 14, Numbers eleven fourteen. 14. He's, Moses still talking to Yahweh. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. Here, here, here. I've got to get your, your thoughts. We've got to grasp what's going on. Moses is super drained. Is that clear to you? Like he's, he's super drained. But here's what we have to point out. This is how he feels after they have divided the leadership. They've already followed Jethro's advice. They've already divided the leadership of the people. And Moses now, after the divisions of leadership have taken place, he comes to Yahweh and says, I can't do this alone. But wait, you're not alone. You have all these people helping you. Now, I'll be transparent with you. Like when I read this, there's some spiritual realities that just, man, they resonate because it is, it is heavy and hard to bear the burden and the weight of leading a group of people, especially when that group of people complain a lot to the leader. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to try to protect myself from hearing your problems. I don't mean that. I say that because I understand a little bit of what Moses is saying. Like, it's so heavy to carry this, but I will be the first to tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I recognize I am not the savior of this church. Okay, there's one savior. And we all know his name is Jesus. And he's bringing the problems to a pastor is not the solution. I'll tell you, I, I love to study the word and I will, for your sake, I will study hard. I will work hard. I will give myself to this church. I, I promise you that when, when you walk through a dark time, I will do the very best that I can to walk together with you. And I, I'll fail sometimes. I, I realize that. But I'm going to try to teach faithfully. I'm going to try to lead faithfully. But listen, 
I got I to gotta let everybody, you understand, I'm not an accountant. I'm limited in that. I'm not a CEO. I'm, I'm limited in that. I'm not a really good secretary. I'm definitely not an entertainer. You hear my jokes, right? I'm a guy, I'm a simple guy who loves Jesus. I love his word. I love pastoring you. But I'm not going to fix your problems. I'm not. So, like, I read this about about Moses, and he's like, I can't do this, and he's already said that, and so they've put this, this wise plan in place to bring leadership alongside Moses, and he still says, I can't do this. What is he to do? Let's just, let's just keep reading. Chapter 11, verse 16 of Numbers. Yahweh said to Moses, Bring me 70, and we got to pay attention to what's being said. Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. Verse 17, I will come down, Yahweh says, and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Okay, did, did you catch all that was in those verses? Yahweh says, hey, you know those people that you already made as leaders? They're already known as leaders among you. Those people. Go get those, Moses. 70 of them. Bring them to the tabernacle door. But at the end... Yahweh says, and I'm going to put my spirit on them, and that way you won't have to carry the burden alone. Meaning, he says, Yahweh says to Moses, you're still carrying the burden alone. In spite of this good decision to bring elders amongst you and then bring leaders amongst you, Moses, you're still carrying the burden alone until I place my spirit on these men. And when I place my spirit in them now you have somebody to shoulder the burden together with you. It's, it's like Moses goes to Yahweh and Yahweh's like, I thought you had a good idea. Oh, oh, that was a human's idea. I'm glad you're finally coming to hear a divine plan. The divine plan, leadership is good. But you need the Spirit. And that's what was missing. And I wonder if it wasn't, and I'm, I'm just speculating, but I wonder if it wasn't in this moment where Moses said, oh, I'm not carrying these people. Yahweh is. And that's what we just read in Deuteronomy when he finally says this. You don't understand. He's the one that's been carrying you this whole time because he's the one that gave me the spirit. And then, and then he, he gave the spirit to these others. And wow. You know, we all need to get there at some point. 
I, I know that there are parents in here, parents in here, and your children, your teenagers are not acting in the way that you desire. And you have done every human thing right. You have set boundaries. You have grounded them. You have taken away privileges. And you do everything that the parenting books tell you to do. And yet you still feel this burden and this weight. Like, I can't. Can I tell you the answer? You need the Spirit of God in your life and in your home. And there, are, there are marriages that are suffering, and I, I think you should go to seminars, and I, I think you should read the books. But don't go to a seminar if you're not going to come home with the Spirit. Because that's what we need. Now, I think there's people whose finances are in shambles. And people have told me, I'd love to give more to the church. I just can't afford to do it. Yes, I think budgeting is a wise idea. Good plan. Go learn how to budget. But while you do that, while you learn to budget your money, you better learn to budget your time and make sure that you spend time with the Spirit of God who's going to place in you a spirit of contentedness where you're not always spending your money to try to make yourselves happy on things that will never bring you joy. But the Spirit can. He can do the work. Man, Eric and Liz, it was wonderful to meet with you last week about the youth lock-in, and I'm excited about that. But I don't care how much organization goes into it. If the Spirit isn't there, you're going to feel weary and worn out at the end of that day saying, what did we actually accomplish? And Lindsay, as you and the ladies are getting ready for this if gathering, like this, this is not about going and listening to some woman who's going to change our lives finally. This is about coming together so that we can hear from the word and from the spirit because knowing the spirit is all that is going to change our lives as we seek to do community groups in the church, as we have prayer meetings, as we try to partner with people in our community. We have Bible studies. Man, all those things are great as long as we understand. There is not one human being who's going to come up with an idea that is going to be better than our divine king. More than we need to hear wise words of humanity, we need the divine spirit of God. And the beautiful thing is, it's free. It's accessible to all. We don't even have to really plead for it. We have to follow the king. And Jesus, on the day, of his, day before he is crucified, he said, I'm going to the Father so I can send the Spirit to you. You don't have to be Moses. You don't have to be one of the 70 elders. If you are a man or a woman, if you're a child or a teenager, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, the Spirit is available to you. And the Spirit is what we need as a church. So, I have just a question to ask you to consider as we close. How much of your life is being led by your wisdom? And how much are we seeking the Spirit? And and I'm just going to close just a little bit different today. I'm going to ask every one of you, to consider praying and saying, Spirit, I need you.
but I'm not going to ask you to do it at your seat. I'm going to ask you to leave your seat, or if you can't walk towards the front to pray, turn at your seat and just pray at your spot. I, I want to encourage you. Don't just, don't just sit. Get in a posture of kneeling, of humility, and say, I've been doing this on my own for too long, Lord. I need you. No one's going to be forced to do it. But I would encourage you, as Moses was told to bring those people to the door of the tabernacle, I'm just going to give you a chance to physically show, to make a move to show, I want the Spirit. It might be, um, if you're here with a spouse, it might be taking your spouse's hand and saying, Let's pray because we need God's spirit. If if your children are in here, it might be like taking your family and saying, let's pray together. We need the spirit of God. If you're here on your own and you don't know somebody, that's fine. You just, Lord, I need you. I just think, what if we had a church that not only had leaders, but had spirit-filled people from top bottom. What a difference we could make in this community. No pressure.